Thank you, Pastor Mark. Good morning, church. Hope each of you are doing well. I know some of you are probably enjoying the cooler temperatures out there. Some of you, about this time of year, and as we keep moving forward, you don't enjoy this time of year. Uh, But it's definitely a little cooler. I know I always enjoy the the leaves uh, changing this time of year. Well, it's always a joy to be able to open God's Word with you, to have the privilege to preach. Uh, And as Pastor Mark just prayed, I'm grateful again this morning. I'm not up here uh, trying to think of things in my own insight and cleverness, but that I stand behind a revealed word. And I hope and pray this morning that each of us would be encouraged uh, as we look at God's word this morning. Well, we're going to continue. The plan is to continue through uh, the book of Philippians, Paul's letter there to the Philippians. And Lord willing, we will finish up chapter 3 this morning. If you were with us last time, you recall that, that Pastor Mark left us there in the book of Philippians with Paul continuing to call the Philippians to maturity in Christ, to strain forward, to, to push ahead to what lies ahead, moving beyond past failures and also moving beyond past accomplishments, not overly focusing on the failures or the accomplishments, but instead focusing on Christ and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, this morning we plan to look together and see a few additional applications, hopefully a few additional encouragements that Paul makes there to the church at Philippi and to us as well as believers in Christ as we seek to attain maturity in Christ. So here's my takeaway for you this morning. Uh, if, If I had one big takeaway to offer, I would say this, that we mature in the faith... As we remain focused on Christ, focused on those who fix their eyes upon Christ, and focused on our true citizenship. So we as believers mature in the faith as we remain focused on Christ, as we focus on those who imitate Christ, and as we focus upon our true citizenship in Christ. Let's look there together at Philippians chapter 3, picking up there in verse 17. Philippians 3, verse 17. Paul writes, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, And now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we gather together because you have revealed yourself to us. And Father, I thank you for these verses that Paul wrote to the church there in Philippi many years ago. And I thank you that your word is still living and active and it speaks to us as believers in Christ today. Father, would you encourage your people? Would you encourage me today as we look at these verses and see what you're calling us to uh, and, and that you have the power to help us to fulfill it? I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as we continue to go through what is just an amazing letter, right? I think each of us would probably agree to that. As we continue to walk through the book of Philippians, as, as preacher after preacher, as part of the preaching team has walked us through this letter, it's just an amazing letter, right? Paul was amazing. And he was so amazing because his eyes were focused on Christ, right? Well, as we continue to walk through the letter that he wrote there from prison in Rome to the church in Philippi, I think we can continue to see this one thing that is clear. Paul's eyes were focused on Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus. And that's why he can say here, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In verse 17, again, he he writes, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Paul is not yet perfect. But as we looked a few weeks back when Pastor Tim was preaching, he has put on the righteousness of Christ. He's banking his hope in the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, he can tell the Philippians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Model my humble, radical, wholehearted dependence on Christ. And we need this. You and I, we need this as well in the Christian life. We need mature believers that we can look to who are imitating Christ that can help us mature in our faith. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13 verse 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And Paul writing as well to Timothy, to young Timothy there in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, let no one despise you. Don't, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I know for me, oftentimes in the counseling office, I'll be sitting with a teenager and his or her parents. And the parents will often express concern about who their teenager is hanging around with, the influences in their life, who they're spending a lot of time with. And the teenager often doesn't see how significant those influences are, right? And I try, I try really hard after a lot of rapport and relationship building, and usually after the parents have stepped out of the room, 
is when I try to help that teenager see that, yes, those that we spend significant time with, they do influence us. It's impossible for them not to. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I know my life has been richly blessed by the various examples of different people who have imitated Christ and how their lives have influenced me to seek to imitate Christ as well. I know I find hospital visits, when I have the opportunity to go on a hospital visit, visit a church member or a family member of a church member, for me now they take a little bit longer. And they take a little bit longer because I've gone before with Pastor Charlie and I've watched him in a hospital. A hospital's filled with people, right? And he has an objective. He's going to visit a member or a family member of a member. But there's tons of people that he comes across on his way up to that member. And so there may be time spent pushing a wheelchair or tying a shoe or just greeting a volunteer. And I know that's influenced me. I think I do some similar things now. I know Tim's life, his friendship in my life, his passion for God and the things of God has, has encouraged that in me. It's hard to talk with him and, and reference things of God, right? And not just see him get excited and passionate as he talks about God and the things of God. The faithful, unnoticed service of Tim Hooser encourages me to press on and find joy in unnoticed service. I remember a seminary professor in Texas who would, you know, just, he loved to spend time over coffee and meals with students. And he would share his own struggles, his own sense of brokenness, and how that just influenced me to be real and transparent. Those who imitate Christ are so vital to us as we seek to grow and mature in the faith. I just gave a few examples, but I know for each member here, I could probably say something. And I know some of you could about others. And that's so important to us, right? We need that. We need that encouragement. I think that's what the author of Hebrews is after there in Hebrews 10, where it talks about this sense of provoking one another. Usually when we hear that language, we don't like to be provoked, right? But there in that context, the author is saying, as believers, when we gather together, encourage one another, provoke one another, stir one another up to love and good works. And on the contrary, the companion of fools will suffer harm. We see that in that proverb as well. Those who walk with the wise become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I remember my freshman year of college, I had a couple buddies. They were sweet mates who I really liked. I enjoyed spending time with them. We loved to play pickup basketball together. We just had a lot of common interests. The only problem was they liked to party a lot on the weekends. And I quickly came to realize that these guys could not be 
my primary companions if I wanted to avoid their influence, the harmful influence their lives would have on me. I actually needed to be on guard when I spent time with them because they wanted to pull me into their world and their lifestyle. When I spent time with them, they were influencing me. It was impossible for them not to. And I needed the encouragement of solid believers. It's important to us. We, we need, we desperately need living examples that we can look to as we seek to walk through this life and grow and mature in our faith. And we can also consider the lives who have gone on before us, those who have gone on to be with the Lord, and consider their example, their courage, their faithfulness. This is where Christian biographies can be so helpful to us uh, as, as we just think about lives of, of men and women of faith who've gone on before us and lived lives of courage and faithfulness. Folks like you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or William Wilberforce, Charles Spurgeon, Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot. I you know, could go on and on. And I would just encourage you, if you don't have a good biography on your nightstand, to pick one up and let... Let these examples encourage you in your faith as well. You've probably heard the catchy saying, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. And it's a catchy little saying, right? But it, it flies in the face of the Scriptures. It goes so contrary to what God has said in His Word. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said this, If you read history you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. Those who did the most in this present world thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So I think the logical question for us this morning as believers in Christ is to ask, who, who are we imitating? Who are you imitating? What examples in the faith are you modeling your life after? And then also to ask, who is watching and following you? Paul encouraged the Christian practice of imitation. Paul's eyes were focused upon Jesus, the founder and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. When we take our eyes off Jesus, when we lose our focus on him, the only other option is to become focused on the things of the earth. The verses we have here in Philippians 3, our verses this morning, they're very similar to what we see Paul write to the church at Colossae there in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, we have this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Paul makes a very strong contrast in these verses in Philippians chapter 3 between those mature believers the Philippians were to imitate and those enemies of the cross 
those to whom they were to be on guard against and avoid being influenced by as they sought to grow and mature in the faith. Look back there at Philippians 3, verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. We're not exactly certain here who these individuals were in verse 18 who Paul refers to as enemies of the cross by the way in which they walk. Some consider them to be the same Judaizers that Paul references at the beginning of this chapter. uh, Chapter 3 verse 2. But the text does indicate that Paul was grieved. He was grieved to the point of tears. That there appears to be an acknowledgement of the cross. Some sort of professed belief on the part of these enemies. And yet they walk as enemies of the cross. And so though we're not exactly certain who these enemies are, we are certain that those who walk as enemies of the cross, they are in fact enemies. That is, they're pretenders. They're phonies. They're who Jesus refers to there in Matthew 7. Those of whom He says, I never knew you. Depart from Me, you workers of lawlessness. And Paul is heartbroken He's heartbroken over these who profess faith and yet they walk contrary to the faith in which they profess. Paul goes further here to give some characteristics that describes these pretenders. He says there in verse 19 that their end, the ultimate destiny for them is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. The reference to to their God being their belly, it has a broad application. It applies to a whole host of disordered appetites and desires. Sensual pleasures that are out of bounds. Not merely food, but but lust as well and laziness. The, The whole gamut here related to disordered desires and appetites. And not only do they indulge these... Not only is this their this overwhelming sense of self-worship, but they're proud of it and they boast of it. That's why it says their glory is in their shame. They celebrate and exalt things of which God is ashamed and displeased. Their eyes are not on Jesus. They're not overwhelmed by Him and His amazing sacrificial love. And Paul is heartbroken over this. Another evidence that we see or or just can logically conclude of their false pretense is an unwillingness to suffer. Sacrifice and suffering only makes sense for the believer focused on Christ. Self-focus, selfish ambition, which we saw Paul reference in Philippians 2. Do not look out only for your own interests, right? But... That kind of attitude, a self-focused, selfish ambition, it resists sacrifice and suffering. 
But as we see there in Philippians 2, the beautiful Christ hymn there, the life of, and ministry of Christ, it demonstrated humiliation prior to exaltation. Humiliation was prior to exaltation. And so too that is true for us. As we walk the narrow road, it's a road paved with self-denial and sacrifice, taking up our cross daily so that in due time, there is coming a time we await the Savior, right? And we too will be exalted. Are we broken to the point of tears over those who walk as enemies of the cross? Paul writes here, he he was broken to the point of tears. I think that's a good question for us to ask as well. Folks, we know in our lives who we know, they're walking as enemies of the cross. Those who even profess faith, but we know by their lifestyle that they walk against the cross. Do we sacrifice sleep because we're burdened in prayer over these enemies? I was in a conference this past week on Thursday and Friday And I was, you know, both encouraged and convicted. I really enjoyed hearing one of the the main plenary speakers. He did a really great job. But he both encouraged and convicted me. Because he made references several times to his own life, his own prayer and devotional life. And just his commitment to praying for people in places and positions of influence. Just how burdened he was in prayer. He referenced a number of Hollywood actors and actresses and the stories that he knew of how they were being influenced and how he continued to pray for Christian directors that would be led to them and and to produce a film with them so that they might influence them for Christ. It's easy for us at times to to just become bitter complainers, right? Right? To, to maybe just complain about people in positions of power or influence. But what if we were just burdened prayers? Praying for those that God would impart His wisdom on those in positions of power and influence. In verse 20 there, Paul returns to reminding the Philippian believers of who they are. He goes back to reminding them of their citizenship as their identity uh, as citizens of another kingdom look back there at verse 20 but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself Though the Philippians dwell within the city of man, the Roman colony there of Philippi, that is where they reside. It was a Roman world where human power was exalted, right? The power that Caesar held, that was just very much exalted. And it was very often the focus of the Roman world. But Paul reminds these believers... Caesar's power is not it. His power is not ultimate. True power and true authority lies in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. 
And even though Caesar wielded authority and power, and even though Paul was in chains for his faith, he reminds them, Christ is on the throne, and Christ will return. He reminded them that they awaited a great and glorious Savior, the one who was before all things, and the one in whom all things hold together. And folks, that's true for us today as well, right? We have leaders, we have folks in positions of authority, presidents, but our Savior, He has ultimate authority. And He is the one in whom we await. Paul reminds the Philippians of their citizenship. And he also reminds them that when Christ returns, when He comes back, that a glorious transformation is going to take place. Not only will they see Him, but they will be like Him. And this is our promise as well. In 1 John chapter 3, John writes this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. What a hope, what a promise. When He appears, we will be like Him, and we will see Him as He is. We will not overtake the glory of the Son of God, but we will be like Him. We'll be like Him in the sense that we'll never tire. We'll never experience sickness. We'll be free from pain and sin. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he describes what this resurrection body will be like for us. He says there in 1 Corinthians 40. 42 and 43, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. As believers in Jesus Christ, a glorious transformation awaits us. And I think just taking us back to to where I started, as we think of the takeaway, we mature, we grow in the faith when our focus is on Christ. When our eyes are on Him, we see things like He sees. We see situations like He sees them. We have clear focus. We're able to still have the to-do list, still have the task that we have to complete, but 
But when our eyes are focused on Jesus, we're able to see beyond them, to see the who's behind the what's, right? To see the people that we're doing things for, to see the people that need a word of encouragement, to see the people that we're serving. When we see Him, this is such, such hope, such promise here. Folks, when we see Him, there will be no regrets. No regrets. Right now, our experience, yes, our road is marked with suffering and sacrifice. That's, that's life for the believer. But when we see Him, when you see Him, when I see Him, no regrets. It'll all be worth it. Are our eyes on Jesus? Are they focused on Him? Or are they more consumed with the to-do list, the busyness, the demands, the expectations of others? Do we need a spiritual reboot? I think the answer for each of us is yes. I know it is for me. I regularly need to reboot. The last few weeks, for some reason in my life, this was a good sermon for me to study and preach because I just need a reboot. Tomorrow morning, I will need a reboot. Lord, there's a lot on the horizontal. There's a long to-do list, but I need to see Jesus because I know there's people. There's my wife and my children and the people that I'm going to minister to that are behind that to-do list. Help me see Jesus. Only with eyes fixed upon Jesus will we be able to see those right in front of us and around us who need the compassion and the love of Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, all this talk of fixing our eyes upon Christ, it may sound a bit strange. It may sound impossible. And it is in your own power and strength. The good news of the gospel is that when you become captivated, totally captured by what God has done for you in Christ, the Spirit of God will begin to work in you, in your heart and life, turning your eyes away from being focused on self and focused more on God and the things of God, away from self-worship to where you actually become concerned about the needs and the interests of others. This is what the power of the gospel does. Jesus lived the life that you and I have failed to live, and He died the death that we deserve to die. Because of your sin, God is angry, and you deserve His righteous wrath and judgment. But God in His mercy and grace, He poured that wrath out upon His Son so that if you repent, if you repent, if you turn away, you believe, you can experience salvation. Your focus can start to move from being solely self-focused to being focused on Christ and concerned about the advancement of His kingdom. This is something that the Spirit of God does. And if you sense God working in your heart this morning, if you want someone to talk with you, to pray with you, please find myself, one of the other pastors after the service. We would be honored to talk with you, counsel with you, pray with you. Let's pray together.